Hello, and welcome to the Almost LA Podcast. My name is Aiden. My name is Audra. All right. All right. It's LA Pride Weekend, right? Or week, I guess. It Pride is. Week? The whole month is Pride month, month but this weekend is the big weekend for LA to kick off, um, you know, a bunch of stuff. But this weekend's the big yep. weekend, yes. Everything for sale here right now in LA is all rainbow. <laughs> It's all turned into a rainbow. Everything's a rainbow. Even clothes and clothing stores. Like, uh, I don't know what that clothing store was, but a couple of my friends went to some clothing store f- to get clothes for Pride. Mm-hmm. They have like a whole like was rainbow. it Was it the Gap? Because I was on the Gap. They were in a big sale and I was getting some the kids some stuff no, for the summer. Was and they were having a like, ton of stuff. Not, not like, maybe it was Urban Outfitters. It was some like clothes place. That would make sense. Place. Where's your rainbow I shirt? I have a rainbow shirt. I didn't wear it today. I forgot. Oh, all my clothes are black. <laughs> So, <laughs> sorry. But your heart is a rainbow. Yeah, my heart is a rainbow. There you go. Well, yeah. There. You're a happy rainbow teenager. It's a it's a red rainbow. You only have a couple more. I'm only red. You're only, you're only only teenager for, I don't know. I can't do math. Seven. I've only been a teenager for. Well, you're you're only you're only going to be a rainbow teenager for another eight months. When's your birthday? Oh, yeah, I guess I'm almost to my 20s, huh? Yeah, I guess. Which is weird because I feel like I'm 13, but, you know, <laughs> that is weird. I always I always imagined being 19 because it's like you're already 18 for a while, so that's cool. You can drive for a long time, <laughs> and then you're almost to your 20s. Like, I thought 19 was super old, but I don't know. Well, it just doesn't feel very old. When you have a rainbow heart, you're perpetually 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the history of L.A. Pride. We're going to talk about the history of L.A. Pride and... Some of the Stonewall riots. Yeah, well, kind of what, why the parade is here and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So right. let's get into it. So June is LGBTQ Pride Month, and it is in June because the cradle of modern LGBTQ rights movement is considered to be the Stonewall Riots of 1969, which were in New York. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but then talk about, um, you know, L.A.'s, you know, the stuff that was going on in L.A. around the same time, because everybody around the country was kind of having, like, um, you know, at the same rights with civil rights and women's rights, you know. Um, LGBTQ rights were also, you know, doing their thing in the 60s and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, Los Angeles Pride started... Um, the, the year after the Stonewall riots to show support for the for everybody that was affected in that. Um, but I'm going to digress for a second. I know you've probably heard in the news about the three straight white guys who want to do their own straight <laughs> straight parade. Did you? What? No. <laughs> yeah. I, was ho- three? I was hoping you hadn't heard about it because I wanted to see your reaction. No, I haven't heard of so, that. What is that? I didn't read too much about it because I don't want to give it any attention. But Apparently, I think it's three. It could, I don't know. But these three straight white guys are trying to get permits, but they, I don't think they've applied for them yet, but they want to have a straight parade because everyone's having these pride parades and they're all upset that why don't we get a straight parade? <laughs> so I just want to reiterate that, yeah. <laughs> that uh, you know, pride parades or women's marches or Black Lives Matter marches, you know, anybody marginalized, you know, they are people that are discriminated against through violence, equal rights, harassment, and sometimes basic human needs. It is a chance. So these gr- parades are for like marginalized groups to celebrate or protest, depending on what they're doing, and to be heard when they've been silenced for so long. So these 
white dudes who are like complaining you know they need to keep in their minds that mm-hmm. their straight white parades are when their super bowl wins or when they have a fourth of july <laughs> fourth of july parade in right. you know middle of nowhere with all their mm-hmm. fire trucks and yep or when you grill up the hamburgers just right yeah yes or any other parade in the history of mm-hmm. America is a white Or when you walk parade. down the street completely normally exactly. and feel nothing. Thank you. When you walk down yeah. the street to work and no one spits in your face, makes fun mm-hmm. of your clothes, yep. says something derogatory to you, whistles right. at your face, that is your personal straight white parade. So congratulations, yeah. you have a daily parade. Fuck off and stop mm-hmm. making these things an issue because it's driving me also, crazy. Also, if you want... <laughs> That, that's the most insecure thing I've ever heard is having a spray, straight parade. Right. And also, secondly, those three guys are very closeted gay and super angry about <laughs> yes. it. Because why else would you want to have a straight parade? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. But if you go on online and look at some of the like the people that are making fun of them. And look, making yeah. fun of them is no different. So I don't want to – I struggled with like sounding like I was ba- – you, know, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just get some knowledge, do some research – Stop yeah. hating other people. And who cares who has a parade? Go and have your straight parade. And hopefully it will go smoothly. You'll feel proud of yourself. And everyone will leave you alone. Okay? Because... Or or just go to the gay pride parade. Because you're celebrating everybody being equal. So I feel like you could celebrate your sexuality by going to something that the LGBTQ community is putting on. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to have, like... A straight parade or like a white parade all you have to do is like go to that parade because it's people just celebrating know, but they're uncomfortable like the acceptance of everybody i think the point is they're on unco- they would be highly uncomfortable there because they cannot deal with it anyway i don't want to digress into that and i think that you I just said lgbtqq which made it i'm yeah queer to the two which is kind of cool you're extra queer at the end <laughs> well i thought I, I thought i saw that written out somewhere the other day so i just didn't know if there's a new q because oh. remember it used to be like lgbt well, yeah. And then it was LGBTQ, and then there might be another Q. So I just didn't want to leave out that okay, well, second Q, just in case, okay, you know. I, yes, and if I got that wrong, then shame on me because I don't I haven't heard I'll, of it. I'll, I'll look it up while you okay, get into this. Okay, so let's way. go to the Stonewall riots, which kind of s- everybody considers like the big moment of, um, you know, the kind of turning point for a lot of people in the LGBTQ community. Um, so in 1969, uh, in New York, uh, it was considered a, quote, lewd conduct uh, and an arrestable offense to either dress as the gender you were not. So a woman dressing as a man, man dressing as a woman. You could not touch the person of the same sex in a sexual way like on the butt, tap anybody in the butt. You couldn't touch their face. Anything that looked sexually touching, even in public, was against the law. You could be arrested for it. Same sex kissing, same sex dancing, and of course, same sex. Sex. <laughs> Anything sexy, sexy was illegal. Um, so the only way for you know th- these groups of people to meet or socialize or just like hang out with like-minded people and have fun was oftentimes at bars uh, that would either keep your lifestyle secret or you know make you pay to have it a secret or whatever. And even if you didn't care about the secrecy of it, because there were a lot of openly, you know, um, gay people, uh, you know, uh, trans people out there at the time back, you know, the you know going way back, um, it just you know, if you, if you weren't worried about secrecy, at least you could go and have, it was a safe, was what you thought was a safe place to have some fun. So, um, and there weren't a whole lot of these places around. Um, and one of them was the Stonewall Inn, which was on Christopher Street in New York City. 
the mafia family, the Genovese family, owned the Stonewall Inn. And because of that, they actually bribed uh, the New York's uh, 6th police precinct to ignore a lot of the activities that went on in the club. Um, So, and that meant that the patrons of this club, unfortunately, uh, were getting kind of like the shaft on necessities like a fire exit. Uh, They didn't have running water behind the bar to wash glasses. The toilets would routinely overflow um, and they would water down the drinks and charge them an arm and a leg. So, even though they could go there and kind of be safe and have fun for a little bit, you know, it wasn't the most ideal place to be. Um, and the mafia also reportedly blackmailed uh, a lot of the wealthier patrons uh, that they knew wanted to have their lifestyle a secret and they would, you know, kind of shake them down for money. So, you know, there was a not so great. Just the mafia being the mafia. Just the mafia being the mafia. So the mafia things. But, you know, the Stonewall did welcome drag queens, which even back then they would get a bitter reception from other gay bars and clubs. So even within the, you know, LGBTQ community, certain, you know, like if you were at a gay bar, sometimes they wouldn't let drag queens in. So it just depends, hmm. you know, I mean. Why is that? Why was that so important? Um, drag queens, what's wrong with that? You know, I didn't really look into that, so I, I'm not going to speak on something I don't know about. You uh. know, maybe it was maybe maybe it was making the situation so obvious that they didn't want to get busted because there was a lot of, they would raid a lot, you know, these bars would oh. get raided a bunch. Um, I don't know. That's a good question, though. So it was also a nightly hangout for like runaways and homeless gay youths who, you know, would get kicked out of their house, obviously, and who had to, they would have to routinely panhandle a shoplift just to afford the uh, afford the entry fee. So the way that this, these clubs kind of worked was they didn't have a, a liquor license, but you could bring your own liquor. So they kind of avoided liquor license, but they would charge you an entry fee as kind of like an exclusive club. And that kind of made it private and kept the police out even more. So... That's what kind of made these certain clubs attractive to marginalized people that, you know, to hopefully leave them alone. It was also one of the only gay bars around that actually allowed dancing because a lot of them wouldn't allow dancing because if there was um, undercover cops, which was the thing to do back then, they would send in these undercover cops pretending they were gay or trans or whatever. And then the minute you started dancing with somebody of the same sex, they would arrest you. So a lot of them didn't even allow dancing. Okay. Oh, my God. So... Uh. So the Stonewall was uh, the fun place to pee. So in the early morning of June 28, 1969, the police raided the Stonewall Inn. The bar was usually tipped off to raids, and this time it wasn't, unfortunately. Armed with a warrant, police officers entered the club, roughed up the patrons, and finding bootlegged um, alcohol, they arrested 13 people, including employees and people violating the state's gender-appropriate clothing statute. So female officers would have to take in, like, cross-dressing patrons into the bathroom and check to see what sex they were, which is obviously Ugh. humiliating yeah, on top of everything else. Yeah. So fed up with the constant police harassment and social discrimination, angry patrons and neighborhood residents hung around outside the bar um, to kind of check out what was going on. And they became increasingly agitated when police became more aggressive. So uh, no one died. Let me just put that out there. But a lot of people were literally beaten to a pulp. It was not good. Yeah. Um, so at one point, an officer hit a lesbian over the head and then was forcibly putting her into a paddy wagon. And she shouted for onlookers to act, which incited the crowd to begin to throw pennies, bottles, stones, and anything that they huh. could find. And within mm-hmm. minutes, there was like a full-blown riot going on. Um, and hun- hundreds of people were involved because people had started coming out of like other buildings and stuff to kind of see what was going on. The police and um, a few prisoners 
and a, a prisoner's so stupid um, and a village voice writer the village voice was a new york kind of like alternative um, newspaper at the time were barricaded inside the bar remember they had no fire exit and a mob attempted to set the place on fire um Oof. yeah so that Damn. that became the first kind of like freak out um of the first night so when you know they finally eventually got out everybody was fine nobody got hurt i mean they got hurt but nobody was like killed or burnt or anything like that um and then the this village voice reporter and a couple other people that were on the scene specifically the village voice reporters went back and were writing about these events and started using like very derogatory terms in their in their in their writing you know using the f word for you know gay men and Mm -hmm. and you know just other kind of derogatory stuff which we don't need to say which also incited the riot to continue on into the next day because people were angry about how they were being perceived in the press so the guys writing about it were clearly homophobic as well right which didn't which inflamed everything so as a as a result of the riots that you know after a couple days this kind of started the the early activism activist organizations um and this year is actually the 50th anniversary of the riots so the Mm. first thing i'm going to play so that's kind of the precursor to the pride parades that we have around the country right now um and you'll see i'm going to talk about in a second you know how that kind of came about but i'm going to play so we're going to kind of depart from our normal format here where we usually kind of play the same artist throughout the thing i'm going to play one artist that I kind of found while doing some research who was from um, a gay man from Watts. His name is Sylvester. I don't know if anybody had heard of him back in the 60s and 70s. He was an out, proud gay man. And he was brought up in the Pentecostal church in Watts, singing in the choir. And he eventually was kind of ousted by his congregation. They disapproved of his lifestyle. But he finally found some friends with a group of black cross-dressers and trans women who called themselves the Disco Tays. And they played around LA. And then he eventually joined um, a famous drag group called the Coquettes. Um, And he ended up moving to San Francisco. But he went on to have several disco hits. So I'm going to play the song You Make Me Feel by Sylvester to kind of highlight the era and the feel of what was going on at the time. Sylvester I actually know that song so I was like sweet I'm gonna play that um so before 1969 and the the Stonewall incident um I kind of want to talk about a little bit of early LGBTQ um movements or groups that came about way before all this stuff was going on when everybody was you know meeting in secret and you know there wasn't really any activism going on um and one of the first places i kind of want to mention or places but projects is called was called vice versa and this was in 1947 so you can imagine 
what was going on back then with these communities. Vice versa mm-hmm. was the project of Lisa Ben, which was an which is an anagram of lesbian, which I think is hilarious. I probably would have never in a million years figured that, <laughs> figured that out. Wait, what is it again? Well, her name was Lisa Ben because she wasn't out, so she, her her aunt, she used the anagram for lesbian as Lisa Ben because she wrote these. Um, kind of like a newspaper for lesbians kind of thing so oh god her, her name because she was in hiding was lisa ben which is an anagram right. for lesbian so her only real name was edith Ede. i think it's pronounced Ede. it's e-y-d-e and she was a secretary at rko studios in los angeles um by her own account she had a lot of time at work by herself and starting in june 1947 twice a month she would type up five carbons which is a copy and one original of the vice versa um she recalled being told by her boss that she, he didn't care what she was typing. He just wanted her to look busy. So she decided to kind of type up these stories about her life and she would take stories from other lesbians and then she would kind of distribute them around her friends and, and then they were encouraged to read it and kind of pass it on to their friends. So it was kind of this like underground lesbian movement um, called Vice Versa, which is actually kind of cool. Um, another society was called... Uh, the Mattachine Society, and that was founded by Harry Hay out of his own home, which is where a lot of these groups kind of started. Um, it was a group of brave gay men in the 1950s. Harry Hay became an institutional voice for the burgeoning gay rights movement. His house that he started this society in is at 3132 Oak Crest Drive in LA, and is actually the house is considered the birth, birthplace of the gay rights movement. So now all over the country at this time, obviously little riots and raids were happening everywhere, major cities all over the place because everybody was in hiding and the police had clearly nothing better to do. And, um, you know, because we talked about the 1960s activism was happening. So we're going to talk about a couple events that shaped the LGBTQ community. And um, the first one was in 1959 at Cooper Donuts, which was a riot, as some would say, and other people kind of considered it unrest because it wasn't super crazy over the top. The Cooper Donuts was a 24-hour cafe on Main Street and in the area called the Gay Ghetto, which is down by Skid Row in downtown LA. Um, uh, wasn't, didn't Skid Row move? Mm, so you're sure that, I don't that know. this place was downtown? Because I feel like Skid Row's near downtown now, but... Well, it is, but Skid Row might have moved from then, but at the time, I don't know if Skid Row has ever moved. Um, I'm actually going to do a a thing on Skid Row, but at the time, down there in 1959, there was these two bars called Harold's and another one called Waldorf's, and in between Harold's and Waldorf's, there was the 24-hour Cooper Donuts Cafe, and that area was called the Gay Ghetto. So, because during the day, the police would actually... um, use the cafe to get coffee because it was like a coffee donut place so hello the cops were there and then at night it would kind of be gay patrons and and trans women and patrons would go in so this is this incident that i'm going to talk about is considered by historians as the first modern uprising of police treatment against lgbtq people so two officers Mm -hmm. entered the cafe and asked patrons for ids Uh, Because back, as we talked about, the L.A. law indicated that you could not present a different gender as you were. So they were asking everybody for their ID because they knew trans women were patrons of this cafe. Um, So the officers attempted to arrest two drag queens, two male sex workers, and a gay man. And the cafe patrons started throwing donuts, coffee, and paper plates at the police until the police actually left for backup because they were being harassed so much. 
they came back um, with some backup, but the unrest escalated, and they ended up having to close Main Street for 24 hours, which was a big deal back then. One of the arrested was a, a novelist. His name was John Retchie. I think it's Retchie who wrote uh, about the event in his novel, which became kind of a huge thing, called City of Night. And in the novel, Retchie describes the victims of the Los Angeles Police Department's abuse on the night that it, everything happened. And, and um, if you're interested in that, go check that out. So just to give you an example, um, in LA, which was, a, a incorpor- was an incorporated town at the time, which means the police were, you know, had a invested interest in arresting as many people as possible because that was their territory. There was 3,069 men arrested for homosexual offenses just in 1963. 3,000? Mm-hmm. Wow. So Aiden is going to play. So now we're going to kind of highlight some singers that are going to play at Pride this weekend. And there's a band called Years and Years, which is a British synth pop band, which their debut album came out in 2015. And singer Ali Alexander is openly gay, and he's in a, involved in a lot of activism. He promotes safe sex, HIV testing, um, he talks about his depression, you know, with coming out and continued, you know, mental health awareness and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to play Karma by Years and Years. All right. What do you think? I like that song. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. That's the first time I've it's heard cool. that. It's synth music. I had Aiden pick the, synth music. the Years and Years song. Very that's cool. That's off their newest, I think their newest album. Yeah. They have a big, like they had one of their, or some of their biggest songs are off of their 2015 album, actually. But that's the newer one, off so I picked that because they'll probably be performing it. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, I think, I can't remember if they, I think they play on Sunday. But I could be wrong. Oh, okay. So uh, the next incident we're going to talk about was the Black Cat Raid and the Black Cat at the Black Cat Tavern, which was at 3909 West Sunset Boulevard in the neighborhood of Silver Lake. In 1969, it was the site of um, one of the first demonstrations in the U.S. protesting police harassment, and uh, which preceded the Stonewall riots by two years. So. Um, it was before right. the Stonewall riots. On New Year's Eve, as the tavern patrons were ringing in the new year with a traditional kiss during the Old Lang Syne song, um, police officers moved in to arrest as many same-sex kissers as they could. So that was their kind of goal, which seems like, I don't know, is that entrapment? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem fair that, you know, people are going to be kissing at a gay bar and, like, yeah. you bust everybody. It seems like bullshit. They I don't know. It makes me so stupid. It's a weird, it's like, a. it almost seems like illegal on the police's part. Well, I, don't know I, if, time, I feel like, like they like, wanted to show up and be. see it. And they were like, let's go watch it because we're all gay too. And then we're going <laughs> to yeah. arrest everybody. I don't know. God. I mean, whatever. 14 people were arrested. And then two of the men actually ended up having to um, uh, register as sex offenders, which for kissing. Oh, what? Yeah. No, that's just bullshit. Several people were beaten really badly by the police. Um, 
So also around the same time in 1967, a group called PRIDE, which stands for Personal Rights in Defense and Education, um, they began holding Pride Night social gatherings at a West Hollywood bar called The Hub, and they were actually paramount in helping organize um, the gay rights demonstration after the Black Cat Raid. And so they had the demonstration held on February 11th at 9 p.m. The flyer that was distributed to gather the protesters said, quote, police lawlessness must be stopped and, quote, abuse of our rights and dignity must stop. They urged people in Silver Lake, Pacoima, which we've talked about, Venice, East L.A., Watts, hello, and the corner of Sunset and Hyperion to rally in simultaneous demonstrations. So that was pretty cool. So that's considered one of the first demonstrations. Yeah. Another very significant um, event was in August of 1968 at a place called The Patch. Now, this was in Long Beach, which is south of L.A., but I included it because it was involved the person who kind of started the Pride um, Parade. The patch was managed and owned by a comedian. His name is Lee Glaze. He was known in the gay scene by his club name, The Blonde Darling. The patch had a clientele of gay men and women that included many women from the local roller derby circuit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I was tough enough to do roller derby. It just looks so fun. <laughs> I'd probably, A, pass out from exhaustion after like one like one round. Minute. And then yeah. like the minute I got hit, I'd probably cry. <laughs> so Glaze had been warned repeatedly by the police department that in order for him to stay open for business, he must prohibit drag acts, groping, physical contact, and male-male dancing, and not allow more than one person at a time in the restrooms. Why don't you tell that to the, all the other probably regular bars in which men were raping women <laughs> exactly, in the bathroom? Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Instead of just kissing and loving each other. Right. Well, that's stupid as fuck. Well, I'm sure there's fine though. More. It's fine. Yeah. Glaze initially tried to comply with the police demands. But this caused his business to fail. So Glaze decided to covertly reject the police orders and would insist, um, in, instead, warn the patrons that undercover police were in the bar by putting on the song God Save the Queen on the jukebox. So they're like, that was their kind of like, God Save the Queen's on. Everybody stop and freeze. Right. <laughs> freeze, there you go. freeze dance. The patrons um, would know to comply with police rules and, and then until glaze indicated that the coast was clear and that everybody would go back to doing having fun and doing whatever they're doing on the weekend in august 1968 uh, the bar was packed with gay men and women when vice squad officers burst in followed by six lapd officers demanding ids and making several arbitrary arrests for lee that was several arrests too many um i just lost my place okay sorry outraged lee uh, impulsively leapt on stage, grabbed the microphone, and yelled, quote, it's not against the law to be a homosexual, and it's not a crime to be in a gay bar. And that was the spark that changed another police raid into a political rally. Glaze called for the patrons to chant, fight for your rights, and we are Americans too. So this weekend, you should walk around with signs that say, fight for your rights, and we are Americans too. Specifically in this political climate, I would say. Um, he told the crowd at the that he and the patch management would underwrite the cost to bail anyone arrested that night out of jail, and he would pay for their attorney fees. Then he led a crowd down to the flower shop on the street, and he bought up all the flowers, excluding pansies, <laughs> which I think is funny. I, I'm assuming that was because pansies was derogatorily probably thrown at them all the time, so they purposely didn't right. do pansies, which was probably very smart on his end. 
and he gave them out to demonstrators before he led them um, on a 3 a.m. flower power style demonstration at the Harbor Division Police Station. The officers behind the desk were totally caught off guard, called in for reinforcements to fend off the growing crowd and, and to try to keep them outside until the men who had been arrested made bail and were released. Uh, the raids on Patch and the Black Cat Tavern affected Reverend Troy Perry. He was a gay Pentecostal minister. Um, well, he was a Pentecostal Yes, he was a gay Pentecostal minister. He was from rural Tennessee. Um, he has a very interesting life, so if anybody's interested in him, go check him out. He was married, had some kids, and, and was always struggling with his, his identity and coming out. Reverend Perry was present at the raid on the patch that night with his boyfriend, Tony Valdez. Tony was one of the men arrested and held in jail by the LAPD. Tony was actually married, so he was um, very, very worried about losing his job and also losing his family. Um, so he was extremely stressed out, which made Reverend Perry, of course, you know, bummed out for him and very worried for him and wanting to help his, his, his friend because he knew the kind of peril that he was feeling. Upon his release and after spending the night in jail, he said to uh, Reverend Perry, quote, God doesn't care about us. And Reverend Perry's empathy for the inconsolable Valdez stirred him to, real to the realization that he should form a church for all of us who are outcasts. So in Perry's own words um, from his book called Don't Be Afraid Anymore, he said, quote, I went dancing on the summer evening in 1968. With me was a slender, very attractive man named Tony Valdez, who was about 22 and married. Tony and I had known each other for several months. Our shared interest was that both of us liked going to the Patch, a very large gay dance bar in Wilmington across the river from Long Beach and south of Los Angeles. I knew little about music, but Tony introduced me to La Bamba. Hello, La Bamba. And mm -hmm. taught me to enjoy fast dances. Popular uh, were the Mason dance, the Monkey, and the Jerk, which were extremely um, primarily masked male chorus lines and loud music and dance routines that rivaled sweaty calisthenics. <laughs> Large, dramatically lit rooms were filled with cigarette smoke. People drank plenty of beer and behaved themselves better than any man and woman in similar heterosexual establishments. That's what I said earlier. Exactly. Just saying. So in October 1968, Reverend Troy Perry formed the Metropolitan Community Church, which is the first congregation consisting of just 12 men and women gathered in his living room, which was at 6205 Miles Avenue in Huntington Park, California. Reverend Perry uh, formed the first public same-sex wedding ceremony at his home as well, and the Metropolitan Community Church was uh, the one to first produ produce the first L.A. Pride Parade. So I'm going to play in honor of the patch, their anthem, their anthem cry or whatever you call it, God Save the Queen, but I'm going to play the Queen version. Aha, yes. Here we go. God Save the Queen. By Queen. Where's the music? They're all singing along. And no one is touching each other or dancing. No, no, none of that. This is at Wembley Stadium. Oh, really? Or Wembley Stadium, sorry. 
There you go. There's God uh, Save the Queen by Queen. At, Wem- at Wembley Stadium, yes. everybody's standing a Bible length apart from each other. <laughs> but now you missed. Looking to, looking to the sky where God is. Go back to your fun. It's over. <laughs> so just to give you <clears throat> a sense of how the police were treating uh, the LGBTQ community and from our own LAPD captain at the time in 1969, there was a, an article, um, if anybody's interested in throwing up all over themselves, from the LA Times. It's the March 24th, 1969 article, and it was titled The Male Colony, Who They Are and What They Think. Um, you know, it's a good piece because I think they were trying to highlight, you know, the homosexual community and but it's it's so kind of outdated that it's but it shows you the sign of the times and in that article uh a commander of the lapd captain charles w crumley which tells you anything crumley is such a horrible last name says Mm. quote on friday and saturday high school boys come to hollywood and get and to get picked up by a queer homosexuals have hell of an influence on our youth this is a serious threat to the whole society. We could have a whole generation of fruits, end quote. Wow. That is the captain of the LAPD saying that. So that Jesus. tells you the outright hatred and ignorance of the police department at this time and why all these things were going on. So to kind of have a, what do you call it when you get sorbet after something disgusting that you eat? Dessert? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A palate cleanser. Our palate oh. cleanser to cleanse us of the captain of the LAPD is going to be Megan Trainer, who is playing this weekend. I think mm-hmm. she's she's one of the headliners, Headlining. and she, yeah. I'm going to play the anthem "Me Too." Now you get the song, you know it? Yeah. <laughs> I love this song. There we go. There's yeah. Megan Trainer. Me too. And now uh, I'd like to say, Megan, I do like the reverb that you have going on your snaps. It's very crisp. <laughs> That's so funny. Good job. You didn't notice. I don't even know what you are talking about. She has reverb, mm-hmm. reverb, reverb on snaps. What does that on mean? The snaps that are in there, the oh, the uh, like weird echo in the back. Oh, cool. It's just reverb. Well, she sounds very crisp. She's going nice. down a white marble hallway, singing to herself, and she has reverb. And she's snapping to yeah. herself. So the first uh, Pride Parade took place on June twenty eighth, nineteen seventy, and it was called the Christopher Street West Parade in honor of uh, Christopher Street, where the Stonewall Inn was. And the organization that kind of opened uh, the nonprofit was Christopher Street West, West being the West Coast, in honor of the people supporting the Stonewall Inn riots. Approximately 1,000 people were in attendance at the first uh, parade. The original route went along, uh, was it, this is actually downtown, it went along Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, I'm sorry, it was not downtown. 
The original route was along Hollywood Boulevard, starting at Hollywood and Highland, moving east to Vine Street, and then back up to Hollywood and Highland to finish. The parade route has since moved to West Hollywood, which is where it is today. Now, I don't know if anybody has heard about West Hollywood, if you're not from Los Angeles, but that is considered where a lot of the LGBTQ community is, and there's actually a strip um, on uh, Santa Monica, which is called Boys Town. And it's yep. a historic strip, and you must be wondering, why are they there? Because that's what my brain goes. Why is everybody oh, here yeah. where they are? I guess. I never thought about that. Why so if we go back to when we talked about the 3,000-plus men that were arrested in 1963, which was in the incorporated part of Los Angeles, West Hollywood back then was not was unincorporated. So the police didn't have really a huge influence over there or any reason to be over there you know, that mm-hmm. much, okay, because it wasn't their quote-unquote territory. So a lot of people from downtown, you know, those the cafe and, and, you know, the Cooper Donuts, there was a mass, like, migration to West Hollywood because they wouldn't be harassed as much was the thinking. And that goes back mm. to the Prohibition era when the 1.7-mile-long stretch along Sunset um, around that area became a haven for speakeasies and casinos, partly because it fell outside of the reach of the hyper-vigilant LAPD and inside the jurisdiction of the relatively lax LA County Sheriff's Department. So that's why people kind of fled to that area because they could kind of get away with more. So gambling, you know, um, sex workers, uh, you know, a lot of homosexuals would go out there, so on and so forth. So that's why that area is prominent and prevalent. The event has grown so big now with Pride that last year they had record numbers, around 170,000 um, attended. And Whoa. some want to move the event back downtown um, to kind of where the original enclaves of, of gay populations were uh, because it, if- it could accommodate more people because West Hollywood oh, okay. is kind of a small area. Yeah. Um, I, but I also in the news this last week, Apparently, downtown is plagued by people dumping trash and um, rats. <laughs> yeah, down, I was gonna say downtown's pretty nasty. I it's know not they like try, They've been trying. There are they've been trying forever to kind of get it back together, but I don't know. So well, they just on a side note, I saw in the newspaper the other day that they made some. There's some like something that came out where they're the they're not gonna tr- like limit the amount of space that people that that homeless people can take up i think it's just downtown Mm -hmm. i don't think it's all of la but they're going to throw their trash away so if like there's just a couch yeah or tents they can throw all the crap away something like that you can probably well we have yeah but they're not going to limit like where they are how much space they take up because honestly where else are they going to go right well there's record number rent numbers of homeless in la a report just came out and there's also you know a lot of the tents and stuff so it's, yeah, and it's literally insane. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's yeah. Crazy. So I'm going to highlight another artist, um, a younger artist that's going to be playing this weekend, which I kind of listened to a bunch of my, uh, wish I could mention everybody, but her name is Sir Baby Girl, which I thought was great. And I'm going to play this song, Flirting With Her.
There you go. All right. Very rock. Sir, cool. baby girl. I like that. I call my daughter baby girl, so I like that. It's a cool song. That's very pop punk to me. Mm-hmm. But what do I know? So going back to your rainbow outfits that you're going to buy all, all week, Aiden, at Urban Outfitters, <laughs> um, I wanted to kind of talk about why the rainbow flag is the you know the symbol of gay pride because if nobody knows because i didn't really really know so gilbert baker um is kind of the person attributed with coming up with the the gay pride flag the rainbow flag the original gay pride flag flew at the san francisco gay freedom day parade celebration on june 25th 1978 it was also um, suggested that Baker might have been inspired by Judy Garland's singing of, of Over the Rainbow, um, which would make sense. And then the Stonewall riots that happened a few days after Garland's death. So she, um, they had the riots. Judy Garland died. Julie Garland is a gay icon, um, one of the first gay icons. So that it might have been a tribute to her. And then um, Another suggestion for how the rainbow flag kind of originated was that at college campuses during the 1960s, some people demonstrated for world peace by carrying the flag of the races, which was called the flags of human, the human race, which Mm -hmm. had five horizontal stripes from top to bottom. They were red, white, brown, yellow, and black. Um, The first rainbow flags were commissioned by the fledgling pride committee and were produced by a team led by Baker that included artist Lynn Seagrablom and, um, who was known as Fairy Argyle Rainbow. That was her name, apparently. She created the original dyeing process for the flags. And Baker is said to have gotten the idea for the rainbow flag from, uh, what, like we said, the flag of the races. To bar- and so basically it sounds like both of those kind of origin stories melded together with over the rainbow and then the rainbow flag kind of, you know, um, symbolizing all of the human race so they could feel included. I would assume. So, um, the original flag had eight stripes and Baker assigned specific meanings for each of the colors, which I didn't know. So hot pink is for sex. Red is for life. Orange is for healing. Yellow is for sunlight. Green is for nature. Turquoise is for magic or art. Indigo is for serenity and violet is for spirit. And there was 30 volunteers hand dyed and stitched the first two gate, uh, two, first two flags for the parade. Which All I right. thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. what I always thought. The that wh- why it was a rainbow is because it's like an inclusive group, so it makes right. sense that it's all the colors. Yeah. Like it's it just that just kind of makes perfect sense yeah. for that to be the flag. So if anybody's going to go to Pride this weekend, check out lapride.org. There's a ton of events, um, and then throughout the month they also have a calendar with like uh, different, you know, others not just this weekend, but the rest of the month there's some kind of events going on. So there's a whole calendar on there. Um, everything usually takes place between San Vicente and Santa Monica. So if you're going to go down there this weekend or any other weekend in LA this pet next month, just be aware that there's going to be lots of crowds. I think everything kind of... Yeah, so I was tri- going to say, if you go, don't drive Uber because you're not going to find yeah, parking. Yeah, it's going to be hardly parking. It's going to be triple the amount of people down there. Yeah. And as we said, Megan Trainer and Years and Years are headlining. And I'm going to... And also, gay icon Paula Abdul, who Aiden has met... I had lunch with her. You had lunch Very with nice her. Very nice lady. Um, I thought I had up her. I was going to play out a kind of Paula Abdul mix. All right, so let me, fi- why don't you talk about you if you're going to go to um, Pride, Pride this weekend, Aiden. Yeah, I might go tomorrow. 
Um, I don't really know what's going on tomorrow, but going to music school, I have a few gay friends, obviously, so um, they're going to go. And I thought I'd tag along because I'd never been. I don't really like crowds that much, but it's still going to be cool to see, I think. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you have to pay to get into the performances, so we might just go to the... Uh... Oh, I just got a text. Who wants to go to Pride tonight? Oh, how <laughs> funny. So I might maybe tonight and tomorrow, it seems like. Um, I think it's going to be fun. We're all going to Uber there, so it's going to be Yeah, there's a ton. Expensive. From what I understand, there's a ton of free stuff going on, like free concerts, which is yeah. new this year. There's a free like event concert somewhere, stage somewhere that you yeah. guys should go to because I know you guys are like tight on money. And mm-hmm. there's also like a $30 VIP or some kind of $30 ticket. Um, yeah. But there's a ton of free music around. And I think Paula Abdul, I think she is opening the ceremonies probably yeah. tonight so maybe you could go to that that would be kind of cool and, yeah. it, and hers is a free concert and i think it's the first time that actually she's been a part of the la pride um events and she's doing a free concert so that's cool okay i'm in a play yeah, cool. i wonder if uh seth should uh text her and be like <laughs> hey paula why don't you just go down there and see if she remembers you and she's not going to There's no way. <laughs> why don't you make a t-shirt that said paula abdul hug me and then remember when we had lunch <laughs> everyone will love you yeah yeah. All right, I'm going to send us out with the Paula Abdul Mega Mix um, from YouTube. All right, happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride, everybody. Be safe, be caring, mm-hmm. and fly your flag high and proud. And if you see a police officer, flash them. <laughs> Show them your junk. <laughs> Here's Paula. Or don't, because you'll be arrested. <laughs>